Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of 72 Weeks. My name is Daniel and I'm the Head of Outreach and Communications here at New College, which is part of the University of Oxford. This podcast is called 72 Weeks, as that's the average length of an undergraduate degree course here at Oxford. And in each episode, I'll be talking to two people about how life can change and indeed has changed during that relatively short piece of time. Each episode, the people interviewed will have a common thread, or indeed threads, that they share with the other person. And this week, I'm delighted to be joined by current New College undergraduate E and New College graduate Grace. E is a second year medical student here at New College, and Grace qualified as a doctor after completing her clinical training at Oxford, where she was a student here at New College before becoming a consultant psychiatrist, and she now works as a successful screenwriter. So the field of medicine unites my two guests, which just leaves me to say welcome and good afternoon to E, and good afternoon to Grace. Hello. Um, So, just a question um, for both of you, first of all. Can you just tell me a little bit about your upbringing and about your background and what you were like in school? Mm. <laughs> so I grew up in West Yorkshire. I was born in Glasgow, moved to Yorkshire, and what was I like at school? I was a, probably a little bit of a nerd at school. Um, I was sporty, academic, and yeah, quite geeky, but always, always loved literature as well as science, which becomes relevant when you see what I've done with my career. And E, what about you? What were you like in school? Oh, I think I'd probably agree on the sort of geeky. I tried quite hard. Um, I always just, I guess I always just wanted to do the best that I could. Um, but I was also just very chatty. I liked meeting new people. I kind of was that person who did like every lunchtime club even if it was really random like playing the glockenspiel or like re- <laughs> that <laughs> or, is random yeah, yeah. or reordering the books in the library I kind of just liked throwing myself into anything that school had to offer whether that was like with other students or whether that was work-wise and whereabouts was home where did you grow up yeah so I guess starting from the beginning as well I was born in Burma um, and I grew up with my grandparents for the first few years there. Um, my parents started their life here in England, and I moved over when I was quite young. I was like three, um, and I we moved around a lot as we were sort of trying to find our place and where we'd settle. I actually went to like five or six primary schools, um, but most of my life was spent, um, and still is, uh, in Nottinghamshire, you know really little village um so coming to oxford was really great because it was like expanding that sort of little bubble so what did you do for a level so in the end i did maths chemistry biology and english literature um e what about you i really like that question because we're seeing more like threads um because actually my favorite subject in school was definitely french and spanish So um, I did, for my A-levels, I did biology and chemistry for the like science side. Mm. But French and Spanish was great because, well, I can I give a shout out to my teachers? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, Miss Sogas and Miss Texia, they were the most like supportive teachers and they just made the subject so enjoyable. And languages at the moment are just not very popular in schools. So I had classes of like five people, six people, so it was really nice. Mm-hmm. And I was saying before how I just like talking and <laughs> um, and languages was pretty much a subject where we would 
maybe in French or Spanish, but we could talk about anything ranging from like, well, what did you do last weekend to topics like, um, I don't know, we did immigration in Spain. So it just covered a lot of um, ground and like talking. And it also meant that when we were revising, we could do things like watch TV in Spanish oh, or great. read a book in French. So it didn't feel like it didn't feel like working. But when did you think, right, I want to be a doctor? I did enjoy sciences as well as um, the languages that I was doing. I thought, why is it that I actually enjoy languages? Because when I thought about it, I mean, the literature and the sort of linguistics is great, but the, the aspect of it that mattered to me the most was the people and the talking. And it wasn't really a subject that led me to deciding to study medicine. It was more things that I was doing outside of academics. So I always felt that I was sort of happiest or most fulfilled when I was like... I did tutoring for a while and I volunteered at like my local dance school and I always felt that um, when I was meeting or talking to other people and they were sharing their stories, um, that's when I was most excited. Definitely. That's kind of my answer, it's just people <laughs> in one word. Yeah, I mean, similarly, I have always been really interested in people and why people are the way they are. And I think through school, I was quite good at sciences and quite interested also in the human body, particularly the brain. Um, and I think medicine was quite a natural decision in that respect because it kind of combined all those different things. You know, like you were saying, storytelling, a lot of medicine is about putting together aspects of people's lives and trying to figure out different outcomes for the, that current story or that chapter of their story. So I think medicine was the kind of subject at university that did combine a lot of things that I was interested in. And E, can we know each other because you work um, on the Step Up programme here at New College um, as one of our ambassadors. And we've spoken about this and as I I mean this in the nicest possible way. Um, you've said to me a few times that you didn't really understand what was going on during your medicine degree in the first term. Tell me more about that um, and why you felt that way. Yeah, and I think I should probably even say, even now, I'm still not entirely sure that I, in commas, know what's going on. Um, but particularly at the beginning of first term, first year, um, you kind of come to Oxford and Oxford has this like big like ooh, name where like all the smart, smart people come and whilst um, we've all obviously done the same application process and arrived here you come here expecting everyone to kind of be like geniuses and then I went to my first few lectures and it just they covered so much content so many words that you've like never even heard of and it was all very complex and especially when you're sat there in a lecture theatre and there are people like scribbling away next to you or like you can hear them typing in the background and at the beginning I was just sat there thinking oh am I in the right place I'm not sure should have done French (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I'm not sure I have any idea what's going on and I think the difference between first year and second year was that In first year, I thought, oh, I'm the only person who feels this way. Um, I'm not understanding what's happening and therefore I might not be in the right place. 
but the great thing about medicine is definitely the community like we're here for a long time yeah. <laughs> um, it Oxford for six years and because of that we just form like a community really quickly and new college and Oxford as a whole we have like a medical society and it's really good for meeting other medical students outside of a lecture mm-hmm. setting and I remember in at the beginning of first year we had this event called dissection drinks <laughs> um, and that was the first time I spoke to other medical students outside of a lecture theatre and someone brought up the topic of oh how are you finding lectures and that was the first time people really openly voiced what I was thinking and it was very much a universal yeah, I don't really know what's going on either. We're all just kind of trying our best. And that was the moment when I was like, oh, okay, this is how it's supposed to feel. And um, the best part about it is that we can help each other out and do it together. Um, So this year, I'd say, you know, the topics are still really hard. The ideas are still really complicated, but I've realised that that's okay. And we're not meant to understand everything straight away. And Grace, you sort of did the double whammy. So you did your first three years of medicine in Cambridge and then came to Oxford for years four, five and six. Um, So when you were in Cambridge, what what did you do during those first three years? So the first three years were trying to give students a solid foundation in science and We did pretty hardcore science. We did anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, pathology, neuroanatomy. Like, it just, it went on and on. And it was like doing, it felt like doing multiple degrees. And we had, just to remind us that we were training to be doctors, we had something called preparing for patients as a a tiny thread that ran through the three years where... Um, we would sort of take on case studies either of GP patients or there was one where we would follow a pregnancy through um, to term and yeah just just to keep us grounded in that but they had a real belief that you needed a solid scientific understanding like basic um, principles of, of medicine and science really to to be a good doctor so we made our way through through all of that and e, does that sound similar to what you're doing now? Yeah, all those subjects you've listed are almost basically identical yeah. to the ones that I'm doing now. Yeah, I've got the classic sort of biochemistry, physiology, anatomy. But I like also that we have, we have this thing called the patient-doctor course, uh, which yeah. is basically that thread you were talking yeah. about where, you know, once or twice a term we'll go to GPs and yeah. talk to patients. And I actually think that's one of the best bits because, like you said, it's, it reminds us why we're really here yeah. because we like love the science, but it's the people that matter more yeah this may be a really stupid question but Uh do you use that sort of thing when you're a practicing doctor then i would say surprisingly it does come in handy when you have to think on your feet because what when i was a student we all of us we'd just be like why do we need to know this random like biochemical equation why do we have to understand these complicated pharmacological pathways it's like you know, to degree level for something we're not going to do. But I would say that at multiple times during actually practising as a doctor and doing things like membership exams, those basic principles were what I would draw on to answer questions and to understand physiologically what was going on with a patient and be able to not just have memorised 
the list of five causes for X, Y or Z or what drug you give at this point, but to understand why those things were happening and what like mechanisms of action were going on. And it it's sort of what they're doing is giving you a kind of common sense understanding of medicine. So it might seem like nonsense or unnecessary and cruel at times. <laughs> I think sometimes the examination methods probably are. But the science that I learnt in my first three years, it's just there as a, a kind of layer of comprehension that you you don't realise you've developed. And that's that's what that those three years are that's a really nice perspective to have because when Dan asked that question my immediate reaction was nah and I physically shook my head it's nice to know that there is like relevance and seeing it from the other side like at the end of the degree that I can still use the things that I've learned in the first yeah. couple of years so when your friends say why are we doing this you can say well look a consultant psychiatrist yeah. told me that <laughs> and E how did you land on New College specifically within Oxford University? Um, I kind of sat down and the first thing I did was, with a map of Oxford, draw an X on the medical department. (laughs) And then I thought, you know, I'm probably going to have 9am's pretty much every day. I don't really want to be walking half an hour or (laughs) cycling. So I drew sort of a radius of 10 to 15 minute walks. Um, And New College sort of made the cut (laughs) in that case. Uh, After that, I decided that I wanted to go to a college with a really big undergraduate community. So New College has one of the biggest in Oxford, because like I was saying, I like meeting people, like talking to them. Um, And just New College is just so pretty. I thought if I'm going to live in Oxford, I might as well live somewhere as stunning um, as college. And we have massive green spaces. And I said that I came from like a little village. Um, so it was nice to have a space in college where I could just go for a walk in the gardens or lie in the grass for a bit. And you've mentioned a few times that you like talking to people. You must be itching to start the clinical years um, so that you get to meet people. Um, Is that something that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, so... um, if I had something that was the thing that I was like most looking forward to clinical years, it would be that. And be, being able to put the sort of science that I've learned into actual practice. Um, but that being said, I don't mind the preclinical split because I was talking about like meeting people. And I find that at other medical stu- schools in the country, the medical students can be quite split from the rest of its kind of university of so-and-so. And then the medical school is slightly apart from that. Whereas here, I have friends who do like every subject imaginable. And that just really makes for sort of inverted commas, normal uni experience, because I get to meet people who do all subjects, sort of dinner table conversations don't all revolve around medicine. Like sometimes there are philosophy things or just conversations about whether apple or orange juice is better. Like it's just, (laughs) it's just nice to be able to sort of have three years of almost any other science degree because then you can really be part of university life and you're not set apart and grace what were your favorite memories of being in new college oh my goodness there's so many um well like you were saying i think the ability to just step out of your room into these absolutely stunning college grounds just 
lying on the grass, reading books in spring when all of the magnolia and the blossom falls off the trees. It's, I remember I used to do a lot of photography at university and just seeing that and just spending, probably missing some lectures, just taking photos of how gorgeous college was. I mean, specific things that I did. I was, I did creative for the May Ball and that took up a lot of time. That was really, really fun and something that has really stuck in my my head and forever will do. I mean, in my flat, I have the posters that I designed are hung up on the wall and I still have photos of cloisters <laughs> that were taken um, in the preparation for the ball. So that was like one of the, the highlights of being at New College. Oxford balls, Cambridge balls, they're quite big deals, aren't they? Um, e, did you go to the New College ball last year? Yes, I did. So the New College commemoration ball happens sort of every three years. And I guess with medicine, it's nice because we get to go to two. Um, but um, it was also nice because it happened in my first year and will hopefully also happen in sort of fourth year. Um, so a lot of my friends will still be here. But yeah, that's sort of the thing that kind of makes you want to pinch yourself I remember walking into um college which I've spent a year living there already but on the ball night it was just something different like it was there was just an atmosphere of celebration and it was festive and it was a really nice way to end the year we kind of just finished exams and I suppose commemorating new college for commemorating a year mm-hmm. in Oxford and sort of all the friends that we've made and yeah that was an incredible night and and Grace you mentioned you did some photography you obviously helped to organize the ball um E what do you do when you're not in your medicine medicine lectures and tutorials what do you do in your free time so one of my favorite things outside of medicine is dancing uh I dance with the university ballroom and latin team and that's just one of the the best experiences here like my last year was probably one of the best years I've had yet because of all the people that I met um, and the experiences that I had in Oxford and one of those was definitely being part of this incredibly supportive team outside of medicine and doing something that I love doing and um, we got the opportunity to sort of travel the country I danced in Blackpool in February which I was like wow I feel like I'm on Strictly (laughs) Um, but it's just things like that which are unexpected I didn't expect to be in Blackpool when I applied to Oxford because you don't really think about the sort of you apply to the subject and where you want to live um and sort of assumed that the extracurriculars will fall into place. But they really did for me, and that was amazing. And just besides the um, extracurriculars, I actually think medicine would be harder. Like, I wouldn't be able to, do like, give my all to medicine if I didn't also give my all to dancing, Mm -hmm. because um, it's the break that I need and sort of the weekly boost that keeps me going. Um, But besides that, especially at New College, you bump into people in and around college all the time and there's always, always something on that you kind of like tag along to, whether that's like a karaoke night or pottery brunch. Um, It's just a really nice way to take a break or sometimes take a break when you're not meant to, but it's always worth it because you end up enjoying what you do. And to come back to medicine now, Grace, you finish your exams, what sort of June is it? The, The sixth year? In the in sixth year, I don't know if they still do it, but we did our finals early in January, so that was quite amazing. We then had 
six months of electives and special studies modules um, unless you had not passed finals in which case everyone else went off to have a really fun time and you had to do research and there'd only be a handful of people who had to do that so yeah. it was really awful for them but yeah so I don't know if they still have it that way but it's we were one of the few um, medical schools in the country that did them early right. um, I'm not sure about sixth year um, when we do exams but I do know that we still have that elective so we can mm. spend six weeks pretty much anywhere in the yeah. world that we can get a place to sort of do medicine but also experience new cultures and places so that's something I'm looking forward to Where did you go for yours Grace? Well so I had a slightly awkward time online because I had planned to go to France and then Japan and it's all been paid for and I was going to France on my own for the first bit and then going to meet two other um, medical students for Japan but I got blood clots during the first part of mine and I wasn't able to fly to Japan so I ended up staying in France doing cardiothoracic surgery uh, as my placement for the entire time. So we had eight weeks then so I feel like I was there for two months but it was I still had a really good time um, and they did like excellent healthcare for me as well whilst I was there so that was quite good. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful time to have, like, you know, as part of your your degree. So. And then you qualify, and then in August, everybody across the country starts, don't they? Um, and that's the thing that always just blows me away, um, is that it's nerve-wracking starting a new job, whatever you do. But I think starting a job as a doctor is pretty much one of the most terrifying things you can do. Um, and I'm just in awe of, of, of young doctors who do that. So, Grace, can you remember your first shift as a doctor? The whole thing is a bit of a blur. But, I mean, I can remember the fear. The feeling of being like almost like an imposter that you're suddenly this doctor who can advise people and people are asking you. I mean, like, there's no real transition from being a medical student one day to the next day being the doctor. And I feel like there's nothing that can prepare you for that shift. You are just kind of thrown in at the deep end. And I can remember my first on-call in A&E, that was like baptism of fire, it's just you get given this bleep and suddenly people are calling you from all sorts of wards and you're running around and all the things that you've kind of practised, you suddenly are having to do it without your friends around practising on each other or like, you know, attempts to get it wrong and then try and get it right, you're just having to do it for the first time. So the nurses on the wards are your best friends because they know how to do everything (laughs) that you need to learn and... Now, when I look back at it, and particularly in relation to the the TV show, which is a medical show that I've been working on, which was set in a fake hospital, I felt like a real sense of pride at my younger self because I'd be like, I I don't know how I could do this now, but I did it when I was like 23, 24. So, yeah. And E, do do stories like that, do they either make you excited or do they fill you with fear? How do you feel about yeah, the idea of becoming a junior doctor. Um, so I think filling with fear, I think the distance is helping at the moment because I'm just sort of even just getting through the preclinical, the like academic side of it. Um, so 
I'm not I'm perhaps not filled with fear but apprehensive I know that it's going to it's going to be like a big change and I think the most nerve-wracking part of it is the fact that we then have that title of doctor and there's a lot of weight with that word like in front of your name we're meant to be able to know what we're doing and I've said already that even in medical school we don't always know what's going on whereas once you're a doctor and it's lovely that we all get help from like nurses and um, lots of people in the team Um, but there is also the you're on your own in the sense that um, it's up to you to make decisions now and that is nerve-wracking at a young age as well that's the thing isn't it you know most 22 23 year olds can't sort of make a decision about those trivial things but junior doctors are asked to make well life changing decisions sometimes um so grace you did your rotations um and then you chose to specialize in psychiatry um what was it about this field of medicine that you found interesting So I think it goes back to the idea of patients and their stories and psychiatry being the bit of medicine that is still a little less prescribed and definitive. So there's still room for your kind of thinking to really contribute to how a patient's care is managed. You don't have, it's not protocol driven in the way that you know, they've got X, Y, and Z symptoms, so you must follow exactly these steps. You have to have a think about their whole life story. So you will start from birth, you go through school, their childhood, their adolescence, all their relationships, and then you try and work out from that, you know, story what has brought them to you at that particular time in their life and if there's anything from their story as well as their current circumstances that can help you treat them so I just I found psychiatry to be the most satisfying bit of medicine because it has everything and I think as someone who loves stories and a bit of mystery (laughs) and detective work and it was the bit of medicine that allowed for constructive debate with your colleagues as well as to what might be going on with your patients and it must be incredibly difficult as well because when people are seriously mentally unwell you ultimately see them at their most fragile and that can obviously be very difficult for you to deal with as a human being so how then do you go home and put those stories and those things that have happened to one side and live your own life how did you deal with that side of things It's hard. I think that there are certain types of personality that are better suited to being able to switch off because you do see, as you say, people at these crisis moments in their life. You know, whatever bit of medicine you're doing, you will see people in great distress, you'll see people in great amounts of pain, you have to break bad news. And I think it's very hard to finish a shift and switch off from all of that. I mean, even now, I have I can remember specific patients and their families going back to actually medical school, you know, because they stay with you. I think in order to maintain a healthy balance, it's really important to have, like, hobbies, have friends who are medics because they, you know, they're people that you can talk to, but also to have friends who are completely separate from it and do things that are separate from medicine because you're probably finding already that 
being a medical student is in itself very involving and as you progress in your career it's possible for it to just take over your whole life so just trying to make sure you have something outside of that that you can kind of use to laugh steam and understanding that it's okay for it to get to you because it would you'd be inhuman if if it didn't affect you a bit so e in the words of strictly you've got to keep dancing keep dancing <laughs> keep yeah. dancing and Grace, you've mentioned now that you, you've, you've left the medical profession, but what was the best thing about being a doctor? So the, the best thing would be the patients who you, you could feel that you had really positively contributed to changing their life. I mean, I think a lot of people outside medicine think you just go in there every day and you're saving lives, but a lot of the time... I think especially as a junior doctor, it's easy to feel like you're not making any difference and you're just this cog in the wheel and it wouldn't matter if you weren't there. There's like another unit of junior doctor who can step into your place. But sometimes you really can see the difference that a decision you have made and has has made to a patient's life. And that, you know, it's a privilege. And you talked about being a privilege to hear people's stories earlier. That is a privilege that you don't really get, I think, in other, in other jobs. So that's probably the best, best thing about it. But in terms of writing, um, you've had a prolific career, and um, I'm just going to read here from my script because there's so many things. Um, so you were selected as the first ever uh, writer's apprentice for Carnival Film and Television, uh, and you were also selected for the full screenwriting 2017 scheme and included on the BBC's new talent hot list. Uh, you were then selected for the BAFTA Elevate Talent Scheme for Writers in 2018, um, and you've written comedy dramas, including In the Long Run and Grace Under Pressure for Sky. So how did you become a writer full-time in terms of making the decision to think, I'm not going to be a consultant psychiatrist anymore, I'm going to be a writer? Because that must have been a difficult decision to arrive at. How did you go about doing that? So that, yeah, that was a difficult decision. I mean, I think it was helped by the fact that I have always wanted to write and in my head being a writer was like my dream career. And I mean, at one point I did have um, the names of different doctors who'd become writers as a thing that was just stuck up in my room as a bit of inspiration. And, you know, so began a kind of love of Chekhov. And the, the first screenplay that I wrote was loosely based on his Ward 6, which is something that we studied at Oxford. So making the jump wasn't, like, mentally hard, but maybe, actually, I'm going to say the wrong thing. Psychologically, it was difficult in that medicine is something that, you know, it's not just a job, it's sort of part of your personality and, yeah, who you are and how you think, and it's... It's, it's a very hard thing to kind of put down. I mean, I would still say, I mean, I'm still a doctor. <laughs> um, my parents would definitely say that I'm still a doctor, 100%, never stopping and probably going back. But I think leaving my job to try and give writing a go was more a thing of if I don't do it now, I probably never will. And I had always been like, I just need to get to the next stage and then I can take some time out to see whether I could do some writing, but it's, you know, you go through foundation training, then you go to core training, and you do feel like you need to kind of keep going with each 
each step of the way. So I was quite fortunate that a lot of the things you've listed I was able to do whilst I was doing my registrar training. And the full screenwriting course, that came to an end around the same time that I qualified as a consultant. And I was very fortunate that I was offered a, a job working with Idris Alba, which helped my decision-making because had I not been given this opportunity to write for like one of our biggest stars, um, it would have been a, a much harder decision to make because you know a lot of people were like, becoming a consultant is what you aim for in medicine. And to leave that and go to the bottom rung of a different professional, although not quite the bottom rung because I was quite lucky, but I had a nice job offer. Um, yeah, it was it was a leap of faith because I had also never written comedy before. So I it was I wanted to do drama, and the only job offer I got was comedy. So yeah. So how did Idris Alba? How did he come onto your radar, uh, or vice versa? <laughs> vice versa. Yeah. Um, so when you do part of the full screenwriting scheme and why it's so popular is that it kind of it's an introduction into television writing so you you write a script and they do it in the same kind of timeline as you would when you're making a tv show and then they do this big industry evening where lots of people from the different broadcasters lots of agents and people come along who have jobs in mind and stuff so you have a few conversations and after that I got offered this job and I had to go and like interview and stuff for it but yeah it was I think the full screenwriting was something that was instrumental and also being on the BBC um, hot list because Idris Alba was involved in, in curating that. Um, and there is a tenuous link here because Bill Bailey is in yes. the cast of In the Long Run <laughs> yeah. uh, and of course he won Strictly. Um, now, E, you've yeah. mentioned that you're a university. Yes. Is it ballroom and Latin dancer? Ballroom and Latin, yes. Do you specialise in one? or um, This term I'm specialised in ballroom, but generally both. Specialising <laughs> in ballroom. So you started ballroom dancing, didn't you, at Oxford? You hadn't done it before. Um, so I've been dancing since I was about five, but I've always done this sort of ballet, jazz, lyrical, and it's something that's always been a massive part of my life, not only as, like, a sport and something to do in my free time but as a community it's the dance community is something that I'd grown up in so coming to university I thought one of the big big things I was like I don't know if I could throughout life when things have just been a struggle dance has been like sort of a saving point for me and I thought you know I know that Oxford and medicine it's going to be hard and I really need something like dancing to keep me going um, so I immediately at Freshers Fair, I didn't look at very many other <laughs> stalls. I made a beeline for the for the sort of university dance uh, dance team. And at the beginning of first year, I auditioned for this dance team. Uh, this was for sort of the usual contemporary sort of thing that I'd been doing since I was really little. And I actually got rejected. Mm. And at the time, I was devastated. I thought, you know, am I going to find a place in Oxford where I can dance? Am I going to have something to sort of be my release um, and I went to a couple of other dance classes just open ones but nothing really clicked and this was sort of at the same time I was saying at the beginning of first year where I didn't also didn't know what was going on in medicine so it was all quite overwhelming and someone just said I'm going to this taster like ballroom and latin class um, do you want to come along and 
Uh, I almost said no because I was writing my first ever Oxford essay at the time and I, I didn't really know how to write an essay and I was like, I should really stay and work. But I'm really glad that I didn't because I ended up going to this class and then someone was like, oh, we have a beginners team if you would like to audition. Uh, and I almost said no to that as well because I thought, mm, a competitive team alongside medicine, like, is it doable? But I just thought... I'll go to the auditions and drop out from the team like later on in the year, uh, which I evidently didn't do. I ended up, we did all over the country. Do you all get together on a Saturday and watch Strictly? In my, that's, that's what I imagine you will do. <laughs> I actually haven't watched Strictly this year, which is really sad. <laughs> Sorry, I know, I know. Um, and um, I think it's just a time thing. Um, I'd say Oxford is for full of opportunity yes academic wise but also just socially so um, when I'm here I just fill it with physically dancing but also just doing other things going out with my friends no Grace um I, I saw an interview with you um and you mentioned that the field of script writing isn't perhaps as diverse as it could or should be um and the lack of black British students um at New College is something that we've worked hard at addressing over the last few years largely by working with external agencies such as um Thinking Black um who we sponsor a creative writing competition for but we still have a huge amount of work to do um in that area so on that, why do you think black British people are underrepresented at institutions like Oxford University? So I think it's because it it doesn't seem like on the face of it, it's the place for you. So I, you know, think you don't see as many kind of black British graduates coming out and saying that they've been there and they had a good experience. I think often you hear about yeah, ethnic minority students who haven't had a good experience and that's even more off-putting. So I think we just need to be more visible and you know, be able to talk about some of the more inclusive aspects of the university situation. Because I mean I people are often surprised when I say that I have had just the time of my life at Oxford and Cambridge I I really really loved being at both and yes I was very much in the minority it was like 2002 through to 2008 and there were times when I felt maybe a little bit like an outsider but it didn't stop me from you know trying to engage as much as I can and making the most of all the fantastic opportunities that, that there are and I think it's just a shame that people are put off applying because it seems like an institution that's not necessarily for them. So I just think we just need better, more targeted outreach. And I think New College, I would say, and again, I probably am biased, but because I know a bit more about it, I think New College has been doing some really brilliant things in the past few years to improve that kind of outreach and access to more diverse groups of students. Andy, you mentioned that your um, family come from Burma originally. Um, so how have you found being an ethnic minority at Oxford? Yeah, so um, I remember Googling, there's sort of um, online sort of what countries that different students all across the university have come from. And I scrolled all the way down, went looking in B first, but there was no Burma. I scrolled to Myanmar um, and there were no undergraduates from Burma listed. And I thought, well, 
it would have been exciting to meet someone sort of from a similar background who with shared cultural experience. But um, at the same time, I have mentioned that I come from a very small village in Nottinghamshire and actually it wasn't very diverse there either. <laughs> I was very much a minority. Actually, for me, coming to Oxford was an improvement in terms of diversity. So when I came here, I was really excited. I was like, actually, okay, there are no Burmese people, but there are all kinds of people, international students, not international students, just people from lots of backgrounds. So coming to Oxford and another reason why I picked New College in terms of big communities was that I wanted to meet more people from different backgrounds because I hadn't had that opportunity as much at home. And I suppose I have um, a lot of empathy, sympathy for doctors because my sister is a, a GP and has been for a number of years. Um, and she's one of the few people I know who absolutely loves her job um, and still does. And even after you know everything in the pandemic, um, she still says, if anybody wants to do medicine, I would absolutely tell them to, to do it, um, which is amazing, really. Um, so, E, on this note, if there are some students listening who think, oh, I don't know if I want to do it, I don't know if it's a bit scary, um, why should they apply for medicine? I know I'm supposedly biased, but I think it is the most human subject there is. Whilst medical school is challenging, it's so worthwhile. You learn so much, not only about the science, but about yourself as well, because of the sort of trial by fire. Like You learn to sort of build that resilience. You make, you make friends through shared struggle almost. Um, and a lot of the six years can seem off-putting sometimes, but actually some of my friends who are only here for three years are almost halfway through their degrees and I wouldn't feel ready to leave just yet. I'm sort of really enjoying it and I'd say the six years are going to pass anyway, whether it's doing a degree for three and starting a job or um, sort of doing medicine for six years. So you might as well spend those six years doing something that um, you're passionate about, even if it does take a bit longer. And I think my final sort of point on that is for medicine, sort of the classic reason is helping others. Um, we, we love people and we want to help others, and which is entirely, entirely true. But I think if there's one thing that I've learned, not only studying medicine, but before that as well, is that when I've helped or met people who are struggling, um, I've maybe been able to help them, but actually I've learned so much from them in turn, whether that's sort of resilience in the face of hardship, the courageous courage that people um, display. And, and that's really powerful, actually, because um, whilst medicine is helping others at its core, you find that I've equally learned just as much, or if not more, from the people that I've sort of helped. <laughs> and Grace, do you think you'll ever go back to medicine? Um, so I did go back. I like left completely to write full time in 2019. Then the pandemic happened and I went back because I think it's that thing. Once you're a doctor, you're always a doctor. And having a medical degree and being a consultant when there's a global pandemic happening didn't feel quite right just sitting at home. So I think you know, I will always be a doctor and I'm sure, I would never say never, although at the moment I feel like I don't know if I could juggle the two careers as I did. I did for 
two years do like part-time medicine and writing um but I mean I think that with medicine and the writing they're not as dissimilar as people think they are about people's stories and I, I definitely think I've been able to kind of progress in my writing career because of my medical background and you know you you get exposed to people from all different walks of life you're in all sorts of different high-pressured situations and that lends itself quite nicely to storytelling so I, I think they are more similar than people would think and again with television and film you are trying to make a difference in people's lives and I cannot tell you the number of times when as a doctor you've had patients who will not take whatever advice you have given them but on EastEnders or their favourite TV show one of their favourite characters is suddenly doing something and they want to do that too that health message has you know got across to them because of the power of TV and you know I, I think we can't really underestimate the, the power of the arts in terms of how therapeutic it can be and getting like useful messages out there as well and in terms of the crossover between the two um can you tell us about your exciting new projects which will be coming to <laughs> itv soon i say i've left medicine but i clearly cannot get enough of it so i'm doing an original drama series for itv which is called malpractice and it is about doctors who investigate doctors so I'm making it with the makers of a programme called Line of Duty. And if you are familiar with Line of Duty, it's about police policing the police. So the anti-corruption unit go in. So not to say it's an anti-corruption medic unit, but it's it's a fictional version of the GMC who investigate a doctor who maybe or maybe not, you know, it's up for debate whether she did something wrong during her shift and it just examines all the different layers of what it's like I think to be a junior doctor when you're responsible you're under pressure and you make a snap decision in the moment and then there are repercussions and those repercussions follow you around and you constantly second guess and yourself and think about what you would have done if you'd had more time but you didn't have more time so I just wanted to kind of give a slightly different perspective on being a doctor and that experience which you will you will have at some point that all doctors I know go through and isn't necessarily dramatized so much and it's all been filmed yeah it's all been filmed we're in post-production I've um, I've seen the first four episodes we've got one more um, for me to have a look at in the edit and yeah ITV are very excited about it and who knows, there might even be a second series. Touch wood. Touch wood. Uh, brilliant. Um, and just to finish, um, I ask everybody this question at the end. Um, and, and Grace, it'll be directed to you. So an average Oxford degree takes up 72 weeks of your life. Medicine in some ways does because it's split into two lots of 72 weeks. So we'll, we'll say that it does. Um, if you could relive those weeks again what if anything would you do differently and secondly what one piece of advice would you give to E as she embarks on her career within the field of medicine and um, I would make 
the most of all the extracurricular. I mean, I think I probably did to give it a good go whilst I was here, but I just wish I had done even more because you're only at Oxford for a short period of time and you have an access to so much stuff. It's just on your doorstep. You can, as you say, you can try out anything. You can just give it a go in quite a safe environment. And yeah, if I could go back, I would just try everything (laughs) that I could um, within the time period because it's there. And like you say, you never know who you're going to meet or what that will lead to um, you discovering about yourself. And the one piece of advice I would give you on starting your career, this is not hard for me at all, but it would be to ask. Never ever feel embarrassed to ask anything. Like when you start off as a junior doctor, people don't expect you to know everything. And it's the one time where you are junior enough that you can ask everything. And very quickly you'll get to a point where you think, oh my God, I wish I just asked that when I'd started because I should know it now and I don't really know. And, you know, there is no question that is too silly to ask because it's better for someone to tell you how to do it than try and figure it out yourself. And that may be at your own expense or the expense of a patient. Always ask. Thank you so much. And thank you, Grace, and thank you, Eve, for that fascinating insight into the field of medicine. That was really, really interesting. So thanks very much.